Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome back to Ghost. This week's question is a goodie and just in time for the holiday, and it goes like this. A few years ago, I began practicing Wicca and celebrating the eight holidays of the pagan year, with Samhain at the end of this month being my very favorite. For this holiday and many others, a huge emphasis is placed on honoring and celebrating our lineage and ancestors. Earlier this year, I discovered that my great-great-grandfather was a minister in a residential day school in Canada. This means he actively took part in cultural genocide and abuse of Indigenous children and families. I've listened to your podcast long enough to know that feeling guilty over this is a waste of my energy, so I've instead done things like donate to reparation efforts and residential school survivors and continue to educate myself on Canadian history that I was never taught. I seem to be the only person in my family that feels the pain of this discovery this year, as well as the only person willing to face it. This has me feeling isolated from both my immediate family and my ancestors. I'm wondering if my chart shines light on this feeling of disconnection and how I can feel whole with this part of me missing. Thank you so much, and please do not use my name. Warmly, shitty ancestors. So before I give you like a, you know, a comprehensive answer, I have to say there are very few amongst us who do not have shitty ancestors, who do not have people who were cruel and unkind to others in the family or to others in the world. Now, you know, what your great-great-grandfather did was exceptionally shitty. And uh, I am not saying that to make you feel bad. It's just remarkably exceptionally bad. Yes. But I want to say that having shitty ancestors is really normal. I think in particular, if you are born from colonizers, you know, uh, then yeah, chances are incredibly high that you have shitty ancestors. I don't know if you have men in your family, chances are incredibly high that you have some shitty ancestors. Not that, you know, all men are bad and all women are great, but women have been subjugated by men for the bulk of history in most cultures, or at least in many cultures. And so, yeah, we all have shitty ancestors. I will also preface all the things I'm going to say with me. I'm not Wiccan. I'm not even a little Wiccan. So I want to just acknowledge, like, I will answer this in a way that is, you know, resonant for me uh, as a spiritual person and also as an astrologer. And in this moment, you're astrologer. But there's probably good resources for you out there that I simply don't have and I am not the one that are specifically, um, you know, Wiccan practices and Wiccan resources. Hopefully they exist. I'm assuming they exist. So I encourage you to do a little extra research there. So let's start with the part that is kind of at the tail end of your question, which is the fact that your family isn't on board for dealing with this. They either don't care or don't have the capacity to care. With that, you have choices to make around how you're going to deal with that interpersonally, right? And I definitely think it is healthy and wise to have ongoing conversations with your family about this stuff. I'm not really going to focus on that in my answer to this question because you're actually asking me a question that is inherently about spirituality as opposed to your familial relationships, even though you kind of threw that in at the end. So I do want to say that having conversations with your family is healthy and important. However, 
When you yourself are coming from a defensive state, when you're twisted up in knots about your own thoughts and feelings and issues on a topic, that is a hard time to then initiate a confrontation with family, especially family that's not open to it. And so there may be a wisdom in doing more work on yourself and with yourself and within your spiritual practices before you kind of go gung-ho because you don't want to come on so strong and aggressively when you're not really clear about what you want to say or what is true or what you're asking of your family because what you can do is shut them down to the point where when you are more clear and you do have a more effective approach they're just not listening anymore because it's already you know it's already happened and you know how this shit happens in families family dynamics can be really volatile and we get kind of pigeonholed in our families. So I want to just kind of breathe some space into this. And that's not necessarily about physical time, but it could be so that you can cope with this for yourself as a spiritual person who lives in a world that is a material world, right? Before you make it your job to educate your family. Okay, that said, Honoring our ancestors is incredibly important. And I want to be clear that when I say ancestors, I'm not exclusively talking about dead people. And I think it's really important to honor our elders who are alive, as well as our elders or our ancestors who have passed. There is a great deal of spiritual value in it. There's also a great deal of self-reflective value to know who you come from, to know the patterns that have run through your family both in terms of their uh, social and cultural backgrounds, but also in terms of their behavior, their choices, who they were and what they did. These things are important because they all contribute to our epigenetics. They all contribute to, yes, the way our birth chart is drawn, but also how our bodies function and how our issues tend to work. When we talk about or think about honoring our ancestors, I think what a lot of people interpret that as is being devotional and loving and embracing of our ancestors. And honoring your ancestors can be about that. Absolutely. You may have ancestors that you want to shower with love and you want to hold them up in the ways that you relate to them and as a testament to their lives. But honoring our ancestors is not necessarily about that. And your great-great-grandfather is a great example of what I'm talking about. As you learn about this man and what he did, it is important to understand that he did not exist in a vacuum. So there were other people in the family that you're related to. And it is valuable to learn about all of them and to learn about them so that you can understand that, that this legacy that you were born into is one that you can contribute to in a way that is more focused on amends than repetition of harm, right? So because you know that your great-great-grandfather did these things and he had this role not just in society, but also in your family, whatever that is, whatever you learn, this is a really clear motivation as far as I can see to understand that honoring your ancestry in this situation means committing your life towards reparation of the harm that your lineage has perpetrated against indigenous people on the land that you live, right? And this is not just about donating, although yay donating. This is not just about education, although yay education. It's about 
committing your life to reparation in a meaningful way. And it doesn't mean it has to be your day job. And it doesn't mean it has to be 24 hours a day or seven days a week or anything like that. It means understanding that if your spiritual calling, if you've affiliated yourself with a lineage of honoring your ancestors, then this is the only way to do it. You can't correct the harm that he perpetrated, right? We cannot fix the ails of our ancestors. That's not what we can do. We can't turn back time and change things. That's not one of our options. But what we can do is we can commit to making a living amends. And making a living amends is not about saying you're sorry. And it's not about, as you named in your question, you know, losing your energy and your time in guilt. But instead, it's creating real changes through behaviors and actions over the course of time. A living amends is literally about amending how you live, right? And when we learn of harm perpetrated by our ancestors or trauma suffered by ancestors, whatever it is, we have the opportunity to learn from those things because when we think about our ancestors, it's not just a spiritual concept. They're literally in our genes. Now that you have this information that is awful, but it is true, right? You have this information. You have the opportunity to make real amends. And those amends are through a commitment, a lifelong commitment towards reparations. That if you are willing to face your ancestors. It's important that you must be willing to face the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's true that a lot of white people have really ugly things to face in their ancestry, right? It's not exclusive to white people, but it for sure is a lot of white people. And being willing and able to confront this stuff is painful. And it's as you're naming in your question here, shitty ancestors, it can be very isolating. It can put you into a psychological, emotional, and spiritual tailspin. That's all fair, and it's part of the process. But what we don't want to do is lose ourselves in that part of the process and never mature or, or grow into making a living amends. That living amends is the most spiritual thing you can do, and it has the added bonus of being the right thing to do for the world and soothing for your psychology and for your emotions. So it's kind of a win, 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 win until we get to family stuff, until we get to feeling connected or disconnected spiritually. So as I mentioned, I'm not going to focus on your family, your living family at this time, because I really do get the feeling that the first thing to work on is you, right? And then you can start to figure out what you actually need to do with your family as a part of your amends. So if the way that you want to honor your ancestors as a Wiccan or just as a spiritual person in general is by loving them and upholding them, then let me give you this reframe. Perpetrating harm, especially and certainly at the level that your great-great-grandfather did, but perpetrating harm comes from spiritual sickness. And that doesn't absolve us of responsibility when we do perpetrate harm but understanding that honoring your ancestor in this situation does not mean agreeing with or upholding the shitty things he did. And if your family supported him, the shitty things they did. 
What it does mean is honoring his soul to say, I actually have the willingness and the capacity to bring amends or healing to our family line. That is actually a service to your ancestor's soul. It's not necessarily a service to his personality. I've certainly talked to, as a medium, dead people who are shitty and have shitty fucking attitudes towards all manner of peoples, you know. Uh, So not all dead people are healed and lovely. And I know some people have the spiritual conviction that dead people are all healed and happy and faultless. I do not see it that way. That's not my experience as a medium. But, you know, the cool thing about dead people and being dead is... There's only one way to find out. It's to be dead. So nobody really knows. But many of us have convictions and beliefs, and I hold space for us to see things differently. Okay, that said, the way to honor your ancestors is to not enable or hold up their bullshit. That to me, that's honoring. When I have friends who hold me to account for things that I've done wrong, who are willing to show up and have difficult conversations who are going to ask me to be more and better, I really value that as a friend. And I want to say that when I do that for others, they value it too. And this translates to how you can relate to your ancestors. Just because they're your ancestors, just because they're dead, neither of these things means they are good people. And just because they were shitty people or they did shitty things does not mean you have to disavow yourself from them. It can mean that it points you towards some of your work to heal your family line and the impact that your ancestors have made upon the world in very real ways. And whenever we do deep spiritual work, whenever we come into awareness about something that is painful, it tends to be isolating. It tends to be uh, something that feels really lonely on some level. And that's just a phase of development as we change in meaningful ways. And whenever you outgrow your family, you, me, anyone, whenever we outgrow our family, it feels scary. Outgrowing the family does not mean no longer being close to them. It means outgrowing the ways in which you've related to them. And that's an essential part of growing up and growing into yourself in an authentic way. And it's part of having a spiritual life. And so this is where I want to come to my final point. There are some things in life that are hard, and that's an indication that you shouldn't be doing them. This is not one of those things. You are going through a powerful time, and it's difficult. But this difficulty is healthy and good for you to go through. This can be transformational for you, and even for your ancestral line. But it will take you bringing all of you to the table and being willing to be humble and to stay focused on what you can do and to not overfixate on your living family's thoughts or behaviors quite yet. Because unfortunately, as important as it is for you to bring your family along for this journey, it is important in so many ways. I would say it is more important to do it right than to do it quickly and all at once because this is hard and it's a lot. And because this is your family of origin, you actually have time, right? You can wait six months if you need to while you get this sorted with yourself and then come to it with a real sense of intention. And then when they act out, which it sounds like they will, you don't have to take it personally. You can instead say, all right, now I need a new approach. This is what I expected, right? And this is how real change can occur. 
when it's not just personal, when you're actually able to take responsibility for yourself, it becomes a lot easier to ask other people to take responsibility for themselves. The Black Fairy Godmother Foundation, founded by Simone Gordon, is a nonprofit organization created to help Black and Brown marginalized families. This foundation uses the power of networking and social media to connect families in need with people who can help. Visit theblackfairygodmother.info to get more information. Through their initiatives, you can adopt a family by sharing a fundraiser or wish list throughout your community and signal boosting on social media. You can also join the birthday fundraiser where you use your birthday celebration to make a difference by choosing a fundraiser to promote among your friends and family. Contact the Black Fairy Godmother to receive a fundraiser assignment, learn more information, and support their work. It's time to get astrological on ghosts. This week, we are looking at October 31st through November the 6th of 2021. And uh, before we get into details, I want to just remind you that on November 6th, I am teaching a class on the 12th house. I'm so obsessed with the 12th house. And it is, I think, one of the most misunderstood places in the birth chart. And I got a lot to say about it. So uh, if you haven't already signed up for that class, there is now a pop-up on my website over at lovelinetto.com that'll bring you right to it. And when you look at the description of this episode, there's a bunch of links. And the last link in the show description is the link to the class. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you can't make it, still sign up because you'll you'll get the video. You'll get the download, uh, physically and metaphorically speaking for you to enjoy at your convenience and leisure. Okay, now that that has been set, we must speak about this week's transits. As we kick off the week, we are looking at October 31st, and we are still under the influence of the sun square to Saturn. I talked about it last week. So if you need a little reminder, it's just kind of a bummer transit. It can make you feel kind of down it is what it is, right? Like, you know, it's going to be over by Sunday. So I wouldn't overthink it. But if you're still feeling kind of not very social and heavy hearted, this is why. Sun square Saturn. Now on the 31st, what is exact is a trine between Mercury and Jupiter. And in fact, this week is bookended by two lovely transits from Mercury. But this particular one, Mercury trine Jupiter, is really good for being expansive in your thinking, for connecting with other people, for being a little adventurous. Best case scenario is that you leverage the fluidity of ideas and comprehension and connection that this transit can bring about, and you use it to help you out with the other transits at hand, including the Sun square Saturn that you're feeling on the 31st, and also the Mercury square to Pluto that we have happening that you're going to feel throughout the week and is exact on the second. Now, Mercury square to Pluto may sound a little familiar because it was exact last on October 1st, right before Mercury went retrograde or a couple weeks before Mercury went retrograde. So we have Mercury and Pluto again at the same degrees of the same signs that they were on October 1st. So you may want to pause this or remember at the end of the episode to go and look at your dear diary or your calendar to see what was going on for you on and around the 1st of October. 
because whatever is happening for you now is invariably connected. Mercury square to Pluto is a really intense transit. It brings about compulsive, obsessive thoughts. It can catch you feeling resentful, um, doing terrible comparisons, caught up in shameful thoughts. And when I say shameful thoughts, I'm not saying your thoughts are shameful, but thoughts that you feel shame about. This transit, unfortunately, can really catch you up in some self-destructive thinking. What's worse is Mercury is so damn relational. And so it may catch you in dynamics with other people that aren't fair that are oppressive or cruel, and you may be the bad guy, the other person may be the bad guy, the other person may be a system or like a power source, like a government or or a landlord, you know, someone or something, some entity that has power over your life. It can also be that you speak out of turn, right? And if you're really lucky, sarcastic, sorry, it could be both, you know, everyone could be wrong. Uh, That's possible. The positive potential of this transit is that we get to the bottom of something and not just the symptoms of a thing, but the root causes of a thing. The cool thing about Pluto is Pluto is concerned with going deep. And we often need to go deep in order to get to the roots of a damn thing, to really transform it from its bottom up, right? And so this Mercury square to Pluto can absolutely bring about meaningful insights or change. It will also likely confront you with really frustrated thoughts and the urge or desire to act out. So be on the lookout for entitlement, entitlement in yourself and entitlement in others. And remember, when other people treat you like shit, when other people act out, that is a reflection on them and not on you. How you respond, what you do about it or within it, that's a reflection on you. Don't take in and don't take on other people's bullshit to the best of your ability. And when you do, be interested in why you're doing it and how you're doing it. Because by being interested, very Mercury of you, what you're doing is you're first positioning yourself to learn something. But second, you're not identifying so much with the moment that you lose all perspective about what's actually happening, what you brought to it, what they brought to it, what patterns are playing out, that kind of shit. And again, the cool thing about this transit is that it can empower us, aka force us, to do that work and make real progress. This is a terrible time to engage with trolls. Don't do it, I say. You see a troll? Run. Don't be a troll. Don't be a troll. It doesn't matter how entitled you feel. This is not a great time for starting shit or engaging in shit that doesn't have real meaning to you. If it has real meaning to you and you feel like it's worthy, you know, go for it. Inevitably, this transit can stimulate conflict. What we want to make sure of is that that conflict isn't an ego battle, right? And that you don't basically tear people down as a way to make yourself feel better or good. That can be hard, especially if you're feeling really bad. It's valuable to remember that a lot of times our worst behaviors, our most destructive and self-destructive behaviors, come out of pain. They come out of suffering. And it's important to nurture our parts that are suffering and to fortify them, but not to enable our fears or bad feelings to make us believe that we are more entitled to bad behavior than other people. It's really important that we don't just do 
good because of what it will yield. Although, of course, that's cool. But also doing good, whatever that means for you in whatever situation you're in, doing good because it's good, because that, that's enough. If you're living in this way, the Mercury square to Pluto becomes a lot easier to engage with, maybe just as annoying as it would otherwise be, but less tumultuous. If you are caught up in situations where it feels like everyone is lying and everyone is totally fucked up, again, stop focusing on them and instead focus on your own self and your own participation. In doing this, you have greater capacity for healing. And my friends, that's what it's all about. And that brings us to the new moon, the new moon on November 4th in what other sign but Scorpio. So this new moon, it is exact on November 4th at 2.15 p.m. Pacific time. So adjust it for whatever time zone you're in. Now, as you know, uh, new moons always occur when the sun and moon are in the exact same sign and at the exact same degree. In this case, 12 degrees Scorpio and 40 minutes, we will round that up to a 13 degree Scorpio new moon. Broadly speaking, generally speaking, new moons are a time where things refresh and they start anew. It's a time for planting seeds. It's a time for beginnings. And a lot of people will tell you online that new moons are always a great time for manifestation. Tis not true. Tis not true. This is a great example of one of a new moon that is not a great time for manifestation work. This new moon has a lot going on. First of all, it's in Scorpio. And Scorpio is, of course, a zodiac sign that kicks up deep and often tumultuous emotions. There's a way that Scorpio is associated with secrecy, which is an association that I actually have mixed feelings about. I feel like it's a kind of negative association attributed to Scorpio, when in fact what it is, is that the energies of Scorpio are so deep and so profound. They're not just emotional, they're sense-based. So that when we experience, you know, a Scorpio moon or strong Scorpio energies, there is a need to preserve some space and privacy for your own felt experience. And that's really the kind of like secretiveness of Scorpio. You may be dealing with something this new moon that you need to keep close to your chest. Not everything needs to be shared with all the people. Some things, especially spiritual things, and emotional things do better when they're nurtured in privacy, at least for a phase. I know there's a lot of pressure on a lot of people to be constantly doing this external sharing of things that are important, but I want to hold space this Scorpio new moon for tending to your inner world as a way to preserve it, because that's what the Scorpio moon wants. Now, let's make it a little more complex. We've also got a very important T-square for me to tell you about. Uranus is forming an exact opposition to the sun and moon. It's off only by a few minutes. It's a real tight opposition. And all three of those planets are forming a square to the planet Saturn. So what this new moon is going to do is it's going to stimulate tension. If it was just Uranus, it would be excitement, it would be unexpected upsets, it could be, you know, the revealing of secrets, and that might be, that might be in the mix a little bit. But because of Saturn's involvement, it's frustrating. 
things are not going to go quite the way you want them to. Uh, And again, it's likely to be attributed to things you couldn't have prepared for or just surprises or things happening just weirdly different than you expected them to, people being different than you expect them to be. This T-square, this configuration of planets, unfortunately brings a whole lot of depth and emotion to the ongoing themes of the Saturn-Uranus square that we have been undergoing personally and societally, collectively, throughout the year. This means many things, but within that, on a social level, we can expect something really important to be put into motion and for it to upset people and for them to act out. And that thing that gets put into motion doesn't have to be a brand new thing. But, you know, the way that we approach our problems as a society, the way that we engage with ongoing stresses and how we learn from the past and innovate based on our needs in the present, all of these things require kind of like multiple drafts, right? And this new moon is going to be an important uh, moment at the drafting board for us to really consider. And that is going to play out again in the collective, but also inside of you. Your patterns, the things you keep on attracting into your life, the things you keep on doing or the places you end up finding yourself in, yield a great deal of information about some of your more subconscious motivations towards yourself or your more subconscious beliefs about life. And this new moon may very well kind of reveal some of that stuff to you. Will it be super clear? Nobody knows. I got some theories, but, you know, it'll be there. So be open to it. Now, unfortunately, Saturn is also square to Mars. And this transit, again, is frustrating. I've talked about it before um, when it has happened in the past, and I always like to compare this transit to road rage. It's like you're frustrated you're angry. There's nowhere to put those feelings because you're stuck in a tin can on a road with lots of other tin cans and there's nowhere for you to go. So how do you experience anger and frustration when your feelings are being thwarted or your goals are being thwarted? So those goals are Mars and Saturn is the boner killer. You know how Saturn does. It's the kind of thing that stops you in your tracks. The upside of of this transit and how we want to understand it in the context of the new moon is that when things don't go your way, when things are frustrating, it is an opportunity for humility. It's an opportunity to cultivate and embody patience. It's an opportunity to look at your own ego. We want a flexible and healthy ego, right? And this transit will do wonders to, uh, you know, give you a little bit of information about how your ego is doing. And luckily, slash mixed blessing-ishly, we've got Mercury conjunct to Mars in this chart. So it is an out-of-sign conjunction, but it is a conjunction nonetheless, which means that on the negative People are going to be feeling very fucking defensive. My goals and my ideas are a reflection on me. And if you don't like what I'm doing and if you don't like how I'm talking about it, then fuck you, you're against me. Just just as an example of how this transit can play. On the positive, though, Mercury's presence so close to Mars, what it does effectively is it supports us in understanding, pairing ideas, analysis, words to our ego and its drives. 
So if you can slow down enough to listen to yourself, to others, to your circumstances, to really listen without an agenda, without defenses, without rushing things, easier said than done. But if you can do these things, again, the potential for real healing and advancement is present. And we love that. Now, one more transit that is active in this new moon chart is a Mercury square to Pluto. You know about it. I just fucking told you about it a couple minutes ago. In the context of this chart, keeping in mind that Pluto is the ruling planet to the zodiac sign of Scorpio, people are going to be really feeling defensive. Those obsessive thoughts, yeah, they're, they're likely to come up. This is not an easy period. This is not an easy new moon. And what it can do is it can help us to reset our insides in a deep and heartfelt way. And it might require that you disappoint some people or you do things differently than you planned on or expected to. As long as you're doing it in a way that is ethical to you, it is what it is. It, you know, it's worth pursuing. The thing to really remember here is Pluto, Scorpio, these two deep forces they want healing and they don't care if it has to destroy a thing to get healing or to build a thing up, to create a thing to achieve healing. I care. You probably care. But these energies, these raw energies do not care. So if it is your agenda to be healthy or to, you know, have successful relationships or whatever it is, then it's important that you put in that effort and you bring that intention and you check in to make sure that your intentions are being reflected in the impact that you're making. Because if what you're intending is not translating through your behavior and your presence, then that's a great place for you to do some investigation, some deep Scorpio vibey investigation. Now, Scorpio, people like to say Scorpio and sex. Sometimes, yes, very much. And sometimes, no, not so much. This time, no, not so much. Saturn as the focal planet to a T-square, not super sexy. Having Mars conjunct Mercury, uh, again, this could go either way in terms of like sexy vibes, but Mars square Saturn, not super sexy. So I'm not going to promise you a super sexy new moon this Scorpio season. Sorry. However, this is a really powerful time for investigating your own sexuality and what it is that you are, you know, doing in your relationship to your own body and how you are or are not enjoying your own sexuality and your own sex life, whatever that looks like, be it solo or partnered. Now, there's one last thing that I'm going to say about this November 4th new moon in Scorpio, which is the sun will be exactly opposite to Uranus on this date. So we can expect the unexpected. And for some people, this transit is incredibly agitating. It's really irritating. It's hard to stay focused. Um, it can lead to feeling kind of like you're bumping into everything. You just feel a little like distracted. And for other people, it can feel really inspiring and motivating to explore new things and develop a different perspective. It kind of depends on how you engage with Uranus. However it is that you're feeling, other people are likely to be feeling distracted and irritable, like they're kind of thrown off of course. And so whether you're the one or you're dealing with someone else, the best thing to do on and around this new moon on the fourth is don't take people personally. Just try your best to know that what other people are doing is a reflection of where they're at and who they are in this moment. It is not a reflection on you. 
Again, how you respond, that's the reflection you want to focus on. That's what you really want to focus on this new moon and generally in life. Now, that brings us to the final transit of this week, and it is exact on the 6th. It's a Mercury sextile to Venus. Much like the Mercury trying to Jupiter, it's not spectacular. Um, it's a really lovely transit for connecting with people, enjoying uh, the arts and creativity. Find a new TV show or book that you really enjoy, you know, uh, try on clothes that are in the back of your closet, that kind of fun, chill stuff. Because of the intensity of this week and the astrology of this week, again, it's more likely to be a bit of wind beneath your wings as opposed to something really showboaty. But it is a lovely transit to know about. And it's an important transit to leverage to the best of your ability by prioritizing the things that bring you joy or relaxation, the things that make you feel connected or the people that you enjoy being connected to. If you're introverted, this might be a good time to like be in a space where you're not interacting with people, but you're around them. The point is to leverage these energies of Mercury and Venus, both two very social planets, in a way that is life-affirming, whatever that means for you at this time and wherever you're at. Now, my loves, that's your horoscope fast and fantastic. I'm going to uh, repeat the transits here. On the 31st, we have an exact trine between Mercury and Jupiter. On the 2nd, Mercury is exactly square to Pluto, and the last time that happened was October 1st, very recently. On the 4th, we have a new moon in Scorpio and an exact sun opposition to Uranus. That new moon in Scorpio is exact at 2.15 p.m. Pacific time. And then finally, on the 6th of November, Mercury forms an exact sextile to Venus. And that's your damn horoscope. As always, if you get value out of this show, I encourage you to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. And if you want to learn more with me, join me over on Patreon where you can get the November month ahead horoscope. It is live as of the 1st of November and so much more. I talk astrology. I am teaching tarot. And on the kittens level, I'm answering questions about mediumship and ghosts and animal communication, all stuff that I love getting to talk about. So yeah, join me over there, patreon.com slash Jessica Lignato. And uh, while you're signing up for my class on the 12th house, you can always check out my other classes that are available on my website. Uh, not too many of them, but you know, a couple, and I think they're all pretty damn good if you're in the market for learning astrology. And while you're in the market for learning astrology, if you are an astrology student or an astrology practitioner, do subscribe to Astrology for Days over at astrologyfordays.com. It's a pro tool for astrology students and astrologers. And you know what it doesn't do? It doesn't give you interpretations. Does that hurt your feelings? Maybe. Does it make you feel really excited because it actually fosters independent study and thought? Uh, maybe. That's the goal. That's the goddamn goal. You know I'm into it. Maybe you are too. If you are, go check it out at astrologyfordays.com. This is a great week to practice using the tools in your toolkit for emotional presence, maturity, honesty, all that kind of good stuff. It's easy to be healthy and wonderful when things are going your way. When things get intense, when passions and irritability rises, it gets a lot harder. So strive to do your best to show up emotionally in healthy and honest ways this week. And I'll talk to you next week, my loves. Bye. Every year they say the end is near.